last week, but I'm going to read them now before we really dive in. Colossians 1.17 says, He, that's Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Colossians 1.18 says, He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Colossians 3.1-2 If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. He is above all things. He is before all things. And we want to seek Him. We want to intentionally place Him there before all things in our lives. And today, we're going to consider how seeking Jesus before all things will make us a grateful people who are radically generous in all areas of life, in all things, even in our money. We're going to pray. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for gathering your people together to remember Jesus, to remember the person and work of Jesus, the good news for us, Lord. And Thank you for gathering us together to proclaim him to one another through singing together, through uh, the preaching of your word, through prayer, through taking communion, and through all the things that we'll do this morning, through serving one another, and the many different ways we do that on Sunday mornings, Lord, I, I pray that in all that we remember Jesus and that we proclaim the good news of Jesus to one another. And I pray that your Holy Spirit be at work this morning to work in our hearts, to open the eyes of our hearts, to know just how much you love us and how much you've given for us. Lord, say what you want said over these next few minutes. Speak, Lord, and have each ear hear what you want us to hear. Do your work in us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I've shared this story before, so some of you may have heard it, but I'm going to share it again anyways. Several years ago, Claire and I, we lived actually just across the street here uh, in an apartment over the top of a store. And uh, we had a small group, and it met in our house, it met in our apartment over there. Um, And our small group wanted to be a witness to downtown. This is over a decade ago, so it might sound familiar. same kind of desires still with this church. But we met there. Our small group wanted to be a, a witness for Jesus in downtown Augusta. And we thought it would be a good idea if we're going to be a witness to downtown Augusta that we would be a witness to those who are on the streets, to those who may be homeless. We thought that Jesus would do that, and we wanted to be like Jesus. And so we came up with the idea that we, at one night we would just have like a, a night where we would hand out some food around downtown Augusta, right? So we made... Well, we came together and we made a bunch of pans of lasagna. And then we ate together. We ate some lasagna before we went to go give it to anybody else. I'm not sure if that's the way you're supposed to do that. But we ate together one pan of lasagna. Then we plated up all the other pans. We had like some salad, something else on there. And we stuffed some socks and some other things in a bag. And we went out all over downtown looking for people to hand out lasagna to. And, uh... Honestly, we weren't very successful. There weren't many people out that night uh, that we could give it to, but we felt pretty good about our efforts. We felt like we had done something. Uh, you know, that was, that was good. Not long after that, like maybe even just a week after that, uh, I was also in my same apartment just over here across the street, and uh, a friend was over, and we were up really late. We are playing guitar, jamming, you know, and uh, really getting down or whatever, and we broke a sweat, I guess, and needed to take a break. So we took a break. And we decided we were going to go to Crystal's, 11, 12 o'clock at night. 
and that's, where you're, that's what you do. Okay, so we went to Crystal's, drove over to North Augusta, and we both got the Cheesinator combo. I don't know if that's a thing anymore. Uh, it was then. The Cheesinator, Cheese-O-Nator combo is basically like four or five Crystal burgers with cheese all over them, and then like a chili cheese fry. And I believe I got a large Diet Coke because of health reasons. But, right, so you get this big combo of food. We're not hungry, right? This is just a fun way to take a break and something we could do and wanted to do. So we get back downtown with our huge bag of burgers and chili cheese fries and buckets of cola, and we get out of the car to go into the front of our building, and I see a man coming towards us, making a beeline towards us, and I just was not in the mood. I wasn't in the mood. And so I'm like, we got to get inside. Get inside now. I'm not giving up a, che- a cheesy cheese crystal. Right? I'm fumbling my keys, trying to get in the door, and it doesn't work. I, I don't make it in time, and I hear, hey, man, can I get one of them burgers? And I was, I was not happy. I was an unhappy person. I was not happy. I, it, this is a confession, right? I was unhappy. And only after my friend generously gave him some of his food that I say, fine, just give him one of mine too. And then the man just stood there in front of me eating it uh, because, like, he was hungry or something. And uh, I wasn't hungry, but I didn't like him, and I didn't like that he interrupted my plans. I didn't like that he took my food for my fourth meal. And, uh, man, it didn't take me long. I go upstairs. I'm just eating my three cheeseburgers angrily. I'll never forget that night, and that's probably why I'm sharing it more than once, but it didn't take me long before I realized how disgusting I was, right? Like, I was willing to be generous a week before that, as long as I had planned it, and it was convenient, and I could eat first and make the pans of lasagna. If it was on my time and my budget, I was willing to be generous, but I was very much unwilling to give when it was an inconvenience to me and when it actually meant giving something sacrificially. And let's be honest, that's not even that sacrificial. I'm not hungry. I just wanted to have some fun. Well, I don't know why that's fun, but it was whatever. I wasn't generous at all. I wonder how generous you are. Like, maybe you give a lot. Maybe you, maybe you don't give at all. Maybe you give a little. Maybe you give a lot. Maybe you like to give gifts. Maybe you have a plan to give. Maybe you don't have a plan to give. Maybe you like to give people things or whatever and share. But but how generous are you really? Are you like me? Are you willing to give and give the look of generosity as long as it's on your terms, but actually kind of unwilling to give when it requires inconvenience or it requires actual sacrifice? I wonder how generous you are. I wonder how generous we are are as a church, a redemption church. How generous are we really? I think Reggie shared last week how we got into this series that we're calling Before All Things. We're kind of spending some time in Colossians and and around Colossians. Um, But we were asking this question, we were on an elder retreat, we were asking this question of what we would look like at Redemption Church if we were followers of Jesus at Redemption Church. Like how would we know that it was actually happening, that we were becoming more and more like Christ? How would we measure that? And we ended up looking back into Colossians together and just kind of digging in together and trying to figure out 
What are some marks of a disciple? And that's what led us to this series. And that's what we're looking at through this series is if Jesus is first, if Jesus is before all things, as Paul says at the beginning of Colossians, if he's before all things in our lives, how will our life look? How will we be marked by Jesus? What is it that would give us a way to others when others see us, when outsiders see us? What is it that would give us a way? What would make them say, those are Christians? What would make them see Jesus when they look at us? And so this week, one of the first marks we're looking at is generosity. Are you generous? Are we a generous church? Now, I know like I just said it and we said it already last week that we were in Colossians a lot and that we're kind of staying in Colossians, but if you, if you take a look and if you read through Colossians, which I would encourage you to do over the next few weeks, read through Colossians a few times and spend some time there. But if you read through Colossians, you're not going to find generosity mentioned. Generosity is not mentioned. But while it's not mentioned, I think you could hardly say that it's not there. Did you know that the book of Esther and the book of Esther in the Old Testament, God is never mentioned? But you could hardly say that he's not there, right? Like, as we see in that story, God comes and rescues his people who are living in exile from extermination. You would hardly read that story where God isn't mentioned and say that God isn't there. And in much the same way, generosity isn't mentioned in Colossians, but you can hardly read it or anything in the New Testament, honestly, and deny that it's there. And here's what we do see in Colossians. There's a very heavy emphasis on thanksgiving, on giving thanks. There's a heavy, heavy emphasis on giving thanks all through Colossians. Now, Paul typically does this. If you've read other letters in the New Testament, you know that he starts, just as he starts this one in, in, verse, uh, in chapter 1, verses one, or I'm sorry, chapter 1, verse 3. He says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. That's pretty common at the beginning of Paul's letters, that he thanks God for the people who he's writing to. But then he goes even further here in Colossians than he does other places. Listen to this. I'm going to read a few passages for you from Colossians. In chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, he says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then in 2.7, he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Chapter 3, verses 15. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, period, and be thankful. And then right after that, in chapter 3, 16 through 17, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And then chapter 4, verses 2, which we're probably familiar with because we've talked about it over the last year a good bit, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. 
as you can see, it's a short book, but Paul has a lot to say about giving thanks in this short letter. N.T. Wright writes this about Colossians. He says, thankfulness is a central theme of the whole letter. And what Paul most wants to see growing in the church as a sign of healthy Christian life on the way to maturity is gratitude to God for the extraordinary things he's done in Jesus and the remarkable things he is continuing to do in the world and in their lives. Did you catch that? What Paul wants us to see is that a sign of a healthy Christian life is gratitude or thanksgiving to God for the things he has done in Jesus. This is why Paul says so much about giving thanks and about doing everything with like an attitude of gratitude. It's because he knows that a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is marked by their thankfulness, by their gratitude. But here's what I want us to see this morning, and it's not exactly mentioned outright. Genuine gratitude is born out of God's generosity towards us, and it leads to our own generosity to others. Genuine gratitude, genuine thankfulness is born out of God's generosity toward us, and it leads to our own generosity towards others. Our generosity is a fruit of thankfulness to our God. Like I said, generosity isn't mentioned in Colossians, and I just called it a fruit. It's not in Galatians 5.22 either, if you know the fruit of the Spirit. But it is in Galatians 6. 6.2 says to bear one another's burdens. 6.10 in Galatians says, as we have opportunity, let us do good for everyone. Generosity is a fruit of thankfulness. I want us to get this. Generosity is a fruit of thankfulness, which Paul emphasizes so much. And in Colossians, we see it too. In chapter 3, verse 13, a thankful heart that knows it's forgiven is generous with forgiveness. A thankful heart does everything in word and deed in the name of the Lord. That's uh, 3.17. And if you go back and and read through Colossians and read the final greeting in chapter 4, Paul's reminded them so much of what they have in in the first part, in and through Jesus, Paul begins to ask the Colossians to go and to give in lots of different ways. Generosity is a fruit of thankfulness. Just think about it. How does our thanksgiving or our gratefulness, our gratitude show? How do we actually show it? Do we just express, can we express the fullness of our gratitude or our thanksgiving to somebody else's generosity just by saying thank you? I mean, we should, we should express our gratitude. We should express it with our mouths, right, and say thank you. But when we're truly thankful, we overflow with generosity. This is demonstrated all over the New Testament. If you haven't been here, we went through Acts over the, last, over the rest of this year. We just got out of it. We just finished it. So maybe if you were here, you remember from our time in Acts, maybe you know this verse anyways in chapter 2, verse 45, but we see the early church selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And it's a sign of their gratitude. It's a fruit of thankfulness. They're overflowing with gratitude for what God has done for them and in them. And it spills out to give generously to others. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 
Freely you have been given, freely give. It's what Paul understands and wants to communicate in the letter to Colossians, to the Colossians. It's a main theme. And in chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, which we read, but we're going to read it again. Chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, he says this. He says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is good news for us. He has given us Jesus. He has transferred us from the dark to the light, from death to life. We have redemption in and through Jesus. We've been freed from our captivity to the idols that we would worship, that would lead us nowhere but death. We've been freed from them through the forgiveness of our sins by Jesus dying on the cross and raising, rising again from the dead. Truly, we have been given generously too. We have to see that first. We have to see it first. Truly, we have been given everything by God. We've been given to so generously. And i got to quote N.T. Wright again because he talks about uh, God's generosity. And he says this, God's Gods that people invent can't compare with the true one God when it comes to overflowing generosity. Gods that we create cannot compare to the one true God and His generosity. Our God is overflowing with generosity. That's what we have to be thankful for. No God that we create can give us anything. But our God is living and is alive and is overflowing with generosity towards us. And that's what we have to be thankful for. And genuine gratitude and genuine thanksgiving is born out of God's generosity toward us. And it ought to lead to our own generosity towards others as we are grateful. So we are marked by Jesus. If we look like followers of Jesus, if we're marked by Jesus, We are people overwhelmed with gratitude that overflows with generosity. Is that who we are? Is that who we are? Is that who you are? Or, if we're honest, do we regularly believe that we have nothing to be thankful for? That what we have, we have earned and it's ours. That we are to be praised when we give lasagna away to homeless people. Because we've given something on our own. That we have every right to keep all the cheesinators that we bought because we worked hard for our money. You know, an unthankful heart is a heart that doesn't believe it needs Jesus. It doesn't believe that that He's really given us anything that great. And an unthankful heart won't really care to give Jesus to others. Now I want us to check out 2 Corinthians 9, 10-11, where Paul talks a little more bluntly about being a generous giver. It says this, 2 Corinthians 9, 10-11, it's on the screen. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way. Listen to that again. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. You know that saying? 
the generosity that you and I receive from God, it came through somebody else's act of generosity as a fruit of their thankfulness to God. And the generosity that you display as you're thankful to God will become somebody else's reason to be grateful to God. Is that too crazy? Is that, does it make sense? The generosity you receive from God came through somebody else's act of generosity as a fruit of their thankfulness. And then when you're thankful and you're grateful because of what you've received, you give and that becomes somebody else's reason to glorify and to be grateful to God. And in Acts 2.45, which I just mentioned, selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. We also saw later on in Acts that the church in Antioch gave away generously. We, saw in a, we see in several letters in the New Testament that the apostles called the church to give towards advancing the gospel in their cities and into the global mission field. Right? And that's what this whole series is really about. What will we look like if we look like Jesus? If we can be identified by others as followers of Jesus, what will we look like? And the reason that we're asking that question specifically is because we want to see the gospel advance through us to others. And the generosity that you and I display in gratitude to God will become somebody else's reason to give thanks to God as a Also, it'll be the way that we deliver the gospel to people. That's how the mission is fulfilled, right? That's how we go, is because we're grateful that we've heard. We're grateful for who he is and what he's made us, and it demonstrates through us in generosity where we give the gospel to others. It's going to be quick this morning, but we've got to finish this part up. What do we leave with today? I don't think this is that hard to get. We know we're Christians, we're supposed to be thankful, and that we're supposed to be generous, right? So what do we leave with today? Is it just a call to be thankful and a call to be generous? I I think that's, that's something that we need to take away, but I don't think that's it. What I really want is just to pause for a minute. For us to set our minds on Christ with Paul in Colossians 1, 12 through 14. Let's read it again. Colossians 1, 12 through 14. And let's just pause and set our minds on Christ. He says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Can you soak in that good news just for a moment? Like if you're under a delusion or if we're under the delusion that God hasn't really done anything that, that, that is that great for us, we've got to read that again. He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints. He has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom you and I have redemption through Jesus. We have the forgiveness of sins. What has the Lord done for us? I mean, if we believe that He is before all things in creation, if He's gone before all things in the work of redemption, that He's the first one raised from the dead, who does that make Him? What does it make us? And what should we do? Well, first, it means that God 
is generous beyond measure. He's generous beyond measure. He may not have given you the the money you want or the car you want or the house you want or the job you want. or the, The list can go on and on and on. Possessions, maybe not even certain possessions, gifts, talents, whatever. Maybe he didn't give you that. But he gave his son to make us his own, to awaken us from death. That is a purposeless life that leads to nothing, a purposeless life that is worshiping purposeless things. And he has awakened us to life as we were created to live in honoring and worshiping God and making him known our created purpose. He has given us so much. He is generous. And it means that we are his. This is what it means for us. It means that we are his. We are saved. We are rescued. We're adopted children of God. We're loved. We're heirs with Jesus, the King. We are heirs with our brother, Jesus, the King. We are rich beyond what we can comprehend. You understand what it means that our Father is the King and creator of everything. He owns all things and all things are his and before he's before all things and he holds all things together and you and I have access because he's our dad. That's what it means for us. We're children of God. The king of everything is our dad. So what do we do? Today, specifically, I, would, I just have to charge us to practice giving thanks because I think it all comes out of our thanksgiving. But specifically, we need to practice giving thanks to God through being generous with our money. There it is. You had to know it was going there, right? We need to practice giving thanks to God through being generous with our money and our possessions. Specifically, by doing that together through the church. I think it sort of echoes all the scenes we see in the New Testament and in Acts where they're giving, uh, selling their possessions and giving to each other as, as need and the church is collecting and sending people with the gospel. And I know some of you give. I know a lot of you give, actually. And a lot of you give sacrificially, I'm sure. But some of you probably give because you can afford to give. And some people give because, don't give because they can't afford to give. I guess the question is, is either one of those truly grateful? Is any one of those truly generous? And this isn't an indictment. It's just we've got to ask the question. I know we like to find other ways to be generous first. That's why we've got to talk about money. Because we really don't like to talk about money. We like to find other ways to be generous first. We'll give some time. We'll give some energy. We'll bring some lasagna. But I think it's important that we practice giving thanks to God through being generous in ways that we may not feel like it, right? We may not feel like we want to do that. Basically, we've got to be generous in ways where it might hurt a little bit. We've got to pull out our wallets. We've got to reach in the bag and get out a cheesinator. So I want to invite us, and I want to invite you to test him on this. This is my experience is that it will prove to be a blessing to you when you practice thankfulness through your generosity with your money. And I don't mean that 
if you give, you're going to get more money. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I mean is that perhaps when we give and when we're really thankful, when we practice, I'm not saying you're going to earn anything from God. It's like Dallas Willard says, he said, uh, grace is, uh, is not against effort, but against earning, right? I'm asking you to test him on it. Because perhaps when you give and say, God, I want to be grateful, I want to be thankful for you, and I want to demonstrate that I do get who you are and I get who that makes me. I know you're my dad and that you love me and that I'm yours and I have access and all these things. God, I'm going to practice trusting you and I'm going to give. My experience is it proves to be a blessing. And we will see how God would use our collective generosity to show us and to show others how generous God really is. I think he'll use it to advance the gospel as we bear witness to his generosity through our own giving. And I think that's a blessing for us. And it may not seem like it, but you don't get to see it until you experience it. Now, I know it's Sunday morning, and I'm talking about money, and you're not supposed to do that, and we don't do it often. And I know some of the objections that start popping up in people's heads as soon as you start giving money and all that. First of all, you might think that I just want your money. Okay, uh, he just wants my money. Uh, maybe you have questions about like, why should, fine, I should give, but why should I give to the church? Why do we got to do it together here? There's so many other great places to give. That's fine. Uh, what about the, well, 10%, that's kind of an Old Testament thing. Maybe you're not going to find that in the New Testament. I'm not really sure. Maybe I'll give 2%. I, we don't have to have that conversation right now. Uh, what about, or, or I don't give with my money, I tithe with my time. Maybe that's one of your objections. All those questions are fine, okay? All those questions are fine. We don't have time to address it this morning. We'd just be here for another hour. Uh, but you can grab me afterwards. I'd love to talk about questions. We can get coffee and talk about it, whatever. We can talk about those things. But I would give a warning if you're experiencing those objections. The questions are okay. But be sure your objections are not just excuses to keep worshiping something other than Jesus. Just hear that. Like, just, just check it for a minute. Like, be sure your objections are not just excuses to keep worshiping, worshiping something other than Jesus. Remember, like N.T. Wright said, there's no God that is generous like your God. Money has never given you anything. Money's never given you anything. It's not generous. It's not kind. It's not even alive and breathing. It can't give you life. So don't worship it. The real question for us this morning is, is Jesus before all things? Is Jesus before all things? Is his mission to give himself to the world through us and to reconcile the world to himself through us before all things? Is he before our money? Is he before our financial goals? Is he before our own security? Is he before our entertainment? Is he before our possessions? Over the next few weeks, we're going to continue talking about different areas where we want to see Jesus before all things and places we ought to be marked as disciples. We'll talk about servanthood and hospitality and community and prayer and a bunch of other things, but I just think we've got to start with gratitude that leads to generosity. A gratitude that leads to generosity. I want us to listen to this. It's what Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. 
It says, as for the rich in this present age, that's us today. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, not to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God. Listen to this truth. Who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, and to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. <coughs> Excuse me. There's a couple of things you've got to go back and ask yourself whether you believe it or not. It says he provides for us richly. Do you believe that? That he provides for you richly? And we're to do good, be rich in good works, and be generous and ready to share. <coughs> Excuse me. I've put a few questions in your bulletin, so if you didn't get one, pick it up. And I'm going to ask you to just do this as you leave, uh, as you go through this week. Like I said, I encourage you to go back through Colossians, read through there, specifically spend some time looking at all the ways which Paul talks about being thankful, being grateful, giving thanks, and even trying to pick up on where he talks, where it looks like generosity. But I want you to go through those questions on the bulletin. And if you have trouble applying the gospel to your life in any way, but especially with money, and especially with your things, and especially with generosity, if you have trouble understanding how Jesus dying on the cross means you should give money to something, maybe try to work through some of that through those questions. Like prayerfully consider how God has shown his generosity to you through Jesus and his death and his resurrection. (coughs) Excuse me. And then consider how your gratitude for God's generosity is currently demonstrated in your life. And prayerfully ask God to lead you into generosity that's born from that gratitude. And ask how he would lead you to be more generous. Would you pray with me? (coughs) Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would like, like just let us in this morning. My words fail, but Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. And there is nothing that's ever been given anybody that is a more generous display than that. And we need nothing more than that. And anything we do need, we can depend on you to provide. Help us first just to know how generously we are taken care of by our Father and loved by our Father. God, I pray that that would lead to a gratitude that says, I want, I mean, thank you. Thank you for what you've done, but I want to show it. And lead us into generosity. Lead us to be giving people. Like when the world follows our money at a church, would it be obvious that we worship you? Would it be obvious that we're yours? Would we be marked by where our money goes? How we spend it? How we 
save it, how we invest it, and how we give it. Make us a generous people in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, sorry, my throat's hurting, so I skipped a part, and all these people are lined up, so I'll make it quick. Uh, we're going to enter into a time of response, which we do each week. The band's going to come up, and they're going to lead us in worship. It's time for you to reflect on these things and to sing and worship God together. We're also going to uh, take, we have an offering basket in the back where you can give your tithes and offerings as worship to God and as a demonstration of obedience and trust in Him. And also we take communion, which is what we're about to do. You can come and you can take the bread and you can dip it in the wine or the juice. And this represents Jesus' body and His blood, which He gave for us. And when we come, we remember that Jesus is who He said He is, that He's done what He said He would do, and that He's our rescuer and Savior. We remember it and we proclaim it to one another through our actions. So if you believe that, we invite you, whether you're a member of this church or not, to come and take with us. If you're not a believer, we'd ask that you not take, <coughs> not because we want to leave you out, but because we want you to hear what we're saying in this demonstration. We'll move into that time.